Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In My Father's House by Corey Tinboom with permission of Light Trails Publishing and the Tinboom Foundation. And this is the last chapter of the book. Chapter 18, He Took My Hand. War. It was early in the morning when we heard the bombs. We knew the sound of the explosions were coming from Schiphol, the airport near Harlem. I ran to Betsy's room and found her sitting up in bed, pale and shaking. We put our arms around each other and trembled with each blast. The wavering red glow was so eerie in the darkness of our once peaceful skies. We were afraid, but had learned from childhood how to cast our burdens on the Lord. We prayed like frightened children, running to their father for help and protection. Lord, make us strong. Give us strength to help others. Lord, take away our fear. Give us trust. It was a crisis of fear in both of us, but Jesus gave us the victory over it. We were never so frightened as we were during that night, not even when war and occupation destroyed our whole family life and everything we had known for more than half a century. Was that night the Lord's way of inoculating us in preparation for the future? In the five days of war that followed, Many people came to the house. Father was a pillar of strength for all of them. He prayed with everyone who asked. Sometimes the shock of what was happening would engulf me. And while Father was bringing trust and peace to those in turmoil, I would go to the piano and play Bach. No other music gave me so much rest. The darkest time during those five days was when our royal family left. Our Queen Wilhelmina for England and crowned Princess Juliana for Canada. We knew then that our case was hopeless. There were not many times that I cried, but when I heard about the royal family leaving the country, I was heartbroken and wept. For the Dutch people, the Queen was our security, and we loved her. Then Holland surrendered. I walked in the street with Father, and everyone was talking to everyone else. In that moment, there was a oneness, which I had never seen before. We were together in great suffering, humiliation, and defeat of our nation. Although my heart was aching with misery, there was an encouragement that people could be so united. The German army marched through the Bartololostrat. Tanks, cannons, cavalry, hundreds and hundreds of soldiers. The narrow little street where Dot and I had played games. The alley where I'd seen the drunks when I was only five, and prayed for all the people in Smedestrath, the path we had taken on Sunday to St. Bavos, all were filled with soldiers. As conquerors swept in, I noticed some of them were red-faced, shame written on their expressions. After the war, a German told me, with every step I took in Holland, I felt ashamed. I knew I was occupying a neutral nation. Churches were packed in those days, The Psalms, which were written in times of great suffering, gained a new value. Ministers who had never preached about the second coming of Christ now chose their texts from the many places in the Bible on that subject. In the beginning, we saw little change in our daily life, but gradually the enemy began to impose restrictions. At first, the curfew was 10 o'clock, which was not difficult for us, but later it was moved back to 8 and then 6. No one could leave their house. There was absolute blackout, and every window was covered with black paper as soon as the sun was down. Telephones were cut off. 
food was rationed, and often, after standing in long lines with our ration cards, we would find that the stores were empty. One beautiful Sunday afternoon, Betsy, Father, and I were walking through our park, south of Harlem, when the Gestapo descended and took all the young fathers around us who were out walking with their families, leaving distraught wives and crying children behind. All Dutch people have bicycles, and sometimes the Gestapo set up a bicycle blockade. Everyone who rode by was summoned to give up their vehicle. If you were fortunate enough to keep your bicycle, you learned to ride without tires because they were confiscated and taken to Germany. We were not even safe in church. Once during a service in the cathedral, the Germans guarded the doors so that nobody could move. Then they opened one door and ordered every man from 18 to 40 to come out. They were sent that same day to Germany, and many of these men were never seen again. The occupation, the underground movement to save Jews, the concentration camps, all of these are documented in A Prisoner and Yet and in my book and the movie The Hiding Place. For more than 30 years since World War II, I have been a tramp for the Lord in more than 60 countries all over the continents of this troubled world. Many people have asked about my childhood, youth, and the years before the hiding place. A person doesn't spring into existence at the age of 50. There are years of preparation and years of experience, which God gives in ways we may never know until we meet him face to face. However, from the perspective of over 80 years of living, I've had the marvelous opportunity to discover the sweetness of some of the fruit of his labor. Just recently, I have heard from, by letter or met in person, some of my club girls. They are still girls to me. Each time, it has been like a letter from the Lord. Aki. One of our faithful club girls was quiet Aki. She was a peacemaker who could say few words, but make them count. When other girls were unruly and stubborn, I remember Aki saying, Don't be so stupid. Why did we come to the club in the first place? Most of us want to have fun and learn something. So if you don't like it, then leave and let the rest of us enjoy the club. To the point, but with such kindness that most of the time the problems were overcome. When she was about 17, Aki became a club leader herself and led a group of girls who learned handcrafts. She was so quiet and gentle that we didn't expect exciting results from her, but her love for the Lord was very clear. When the Ten Boom family was arrested, Aki came to our house, not knowing that it was a Gestapo trap. She was taken to the police station and spent a week with our oldest Jewish underground girl, Mary, who had been in the hiding place, but was later arrested in the street. Aki talked to Mary about the Lord Jesus. She told her that Jesus had died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, and that he had said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11:28. Mary said, I heard Grandpa Timboom pray so often when I was in the Baye. He always said to me, Mary, you are a Jew. You will not change that if you invite the Lord Jesus into your heart. On his divine side, he was the Son of God. But on his human side, he was a Jew. Mary received Jesus as her Savior in that cell. Our quiet Aki had a boldness for the Lord. She told me later that the moment Mary said yes to Jesus in her prayer of accepting him, the guards came into the cell and took her away. We heard later she was sent to Poland, where she died. I heard nothing from Aki for many years. What a surprise it was for me when she came to my room in Harlem 30 years later. 
She told me that she was working in a small village where there was no minister. She said, what I've learned in your clubs, I still use when I teach children and have my Bible study groups. Pose. Pose was an outgoing little rascal. Wherever she was in a club, there was laughing and fun. At camp, she was a happy note, even when it was raining and spirits were low. When there were weaker girls who needed help in hikes and gymnastics, Pose was always ready to help. I remember one time she was walking behind me and was quite outspoken in her ideas about my legs. She said, if I had such legs, I should decide to march beside them. She married an older boy and moved to South Africa. I met them there once after the war, but only briefly. Her husband called himself an atheist, but did not object when Pose and I shared with him our love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I promised to pray for him, but later in correspondence, Pose never mentioned that he was interested in spiritual affairs. Then a strange thing happened, one of those coincidences which are such a marvelous part of God's plan. Pose and her husband were walking in the streets of Johannesburg when a boy asked him to buy a raffle ticket to raise money for the house for a boys' club. Pose said, Sure, I enjoy clubs when I was a girl. I hope you have a lot of fun in your new cabin. Later she found out that they had the ticket which won the first prize in the raffle. It was a round-trip plane ride for two to the Netherlands. And so it happened that one day they stood in my room in Holland. What memories we shared. Pose told me she had become a member of a church, and Hink, her husband, listened with amusement as we talked about the clubs. He declared very strongly that he didn't believe in God. I knew I had only one chance to bring in the gospel, so I said, Hink, I probably only have this one time to talk with you. There are two ways to live. You can go your way or God's way. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and he will make you a child of God. And you can bring all your sins and ask and receive forgiveness. He makes sure you're a child of God, and he will put your name in the book of life. After I prayed with him, Hink said, I believe it's time for me to give my heart to Jesus. I've seen much of him in the life of Pose, and he must be a reality. I know I'm a sinner, and you said that Jesus accepts sinners. So I'll tell him all that I've done and what I have been, and I believe that he will make me a child of God. They returned to South Africa, and Hink became a member of the lively church. Some months ago, Hink died, but he said, Tell Tante Keys that God has used her to bring me to the Lord. God began working years before in a mischievous little girl pose in a gymnastics club in a little Dutch town. The Golden Tea Party. What would they be like? Would the years have changed them? What joys and sorrows, trials and triumphs would they have seen in the decades since we had last met? I was excited as that younger Corey had been when she introduced her club girls at the yearly performance in the Harlem Concert Hall. Now in my 80s, I had returned to Holland for a visit and had invited those women who had been in clubs in the years past and were still in the vicinity of Harlem to my house for tea. No uniforms with two belts and a safety pin this time. I wore my best red and white silk summer dress and made sure that not one thing would mar my appearance. They arrived at the front door at the same time. Some came in their big old-fashioned bicycles, some drove little cars, and others walked from the bus stop. There was no need for protocol, for they began to laugh and talk all at once. What an afternoon we had. Each girl told a little of her story, ending on the same theme, which added so much joy to my heart. Ryapa, whose nickname was Jap, 
bubbled with her enthusiasm about the club work. She told how she first became a part of our group, and her mother had said, you must not have a uniform. So she went to her first camp feeling a bit ashamed because she wasn't dressed like the rest of the girls. It was the most important issue in her life then. Hank, who also came for tea that afternoon, was the one who gave Jop her uniform. That unselfish act was remembered by Jop all her life. When she went home, she asked her mother if she could be a girl guide. Her mother told her that it was all right if she didn't wear the uniform on Sunday. Girl guiding became Jop's life, and she told me that Sunday afternoon in my living room in Holland that much she learned as a young girl in the clubs had prepared her for her total life experiences. Steen had gone to one of our clubs when she was 16 to learn the catechism. I had been her teacher, and after she became a member of her church, I said, Now, Steen, you must lead a club. After Steen had been one of our club leaders, she took the initiative and began a club for feeble-minded children. She told me later, You had taught me, Tante Keys, to love those less fortunate, and I truly did love those children. For Steen, going to the clubs was the best part of her young life. Her home was never open to others, and she spent many evenings at the Baye. Fortunately, she had stayed home that fateful day in February 1944 when the Gestapo paid us an unwelcome visit. Annie, who had answered a newspaper advertisement to join a club, said that she came for fun and not for all those spiritual things. And she did have fun. She joined the singing club, the English club, the gymnastics club, and when she told about the latter, she reminded all of us about the club's slogan. I knew someone would bring that up, the rascals. The gymnastics club slogan, We Make Straight What is Crooked, was not very good. Too long to put on a program. I had to pretend not to notice the laughter every time it was mentioned. Annie told how she fell in love with the gym teacher. However, when his girlfriend came, Annie became very jealous and out of spite, sewed his pants together and put water in his shoes. Teacups always fell off laps when this story was recounted. As a punishment, I told Annie that she would not be allowed to go to the club for three weeks. She reminded me, however, that she returned in one week, proving that Tante Key's discipline was sometimes a little lax. When Annie was 17, she was at the camp of Biscap, feeling very low. She had just split up with her current boyfriend and thought it was the end of the world. She remembered that we were sitting outside looking at the stars, and I told her, when you're in need and don't know the answer, tell the Lord about it. He has your past, present, and future in his hands. It was then that Annie accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. She said that every time she was in need in years to come, she remembered that moment. I know the Lord is willing to take your life in his hands when you're small, Annie said. Nellie was born in Germany and didn't come to Holland until she was 14 years old. She came into the clubs when she was 18, not as a believer in Jesus Christ, but found him during one of the camps. When Nellie remembered the outstanding experience of her club time, she talked about the campfires, the time of deep discussions together. She thought a while when we asked what club work had prepared her for. Then she remembered one of the articles in the club law, which was to give help to others. She said that even today, people know there is help in her home. Let's go to Nell's. She always has soup on. As the girls begin to share more and more of their memories and the later life experiences, one story after another spilled out. Reina told how she loved the circle and the club song. It was difficult for Ellen DeCroon, my secretary, and Carol Carson to contain themselves as we all stood up and joined hands to repeat our motto and sing our song after almost 40 years of separation. 
The voices may have changed a bit, but the fervor was still there. Rihanna said she had come from a Christian family, but the club work had inspired her in the personal desire to bring the gospel to the other girls. Did you know, she said, looking around the room, that the last time the girl guides wore their uniforms was at my wedding? Hawk was at the start of the clubs and remembered the first camp experience she had. One of the girls had trouble with sleepwalking, and she told how Tanty Keys had been so concerned about her and helped walk her gently back to bed. However, it was also discovered that the so-called sleepwalker had a sweet tooth. For the following morning, the chocolate bars which had been left out for campfire treats had been strangely consumed by someone in her sleep. Julie had been rather quiet, but finally began to bring the conversation back to the present. I want so much to give our young people some of the love and the experiences and the strength in knowing the Lord that we have learned in your clubs, Tanty Keys. Our children have so much, and yet they're so poor. They are so free today, much more than we were, and yet they face many more dangers from the world. It became very still in the room. Everyone had their own thoughts about children, grandchildren, our youth, who face the wars and the rumors of wars that exist in a world racing towards self-destruction. I looked through my small living room into the dining room where Papa's portrait hangs. I could see him at the oval table, head bowed and praying. Lord, bless the Queen. We thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day and the promise of your coming soon. Thank you for this food and for this family. In the name of Jesus, amen. How grateful I am to have lived in my father's house. Yes, Lord, I thank you for this family. I looked at my friends gathered for an afternoon of tea and memories and thanked the Lord for the family of believers all over this globe. How the love of God stretched in and out of the watchmaker's shop to all parts of the world, to mansions in California and hospitals in Kenya, from queens to prison guards. As the golden tea party ended and the club girls were leaving, we broke some of our Dutch restraints and hugged each other. Many of them had suffered much through the years. And yet they remain strong in the Lord. I realize that all we do through our own strength has to be cleansed. But what we do through the Lord has value for time and eternity. There is no time to look back. What challenges we have today. I remember what Father often said. When Jesus takes your hand, he keeps you tight. When Jesus keeps you tight, he leads you through life. And when Jesus leads you through life, he brings you safely home. The Ten Boom Family, The End. That was a wonderful book, and I, I hope it encouraged your heart as much as it encouraged my heart. Next week, we're going to be reading a new book, uh, Betsy Ten Boom, Promise of God, and that is by Mike Evans, and we have permission to read that from the Time Worthy Books. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy getting to know Betsy Ten Boom a little bit more. Remember that Jesus is the victor. I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now.